stories, spirituality, pathways, and aliens. You're here on The Long Road Home. That's all you can sing. Usher will oh, come yeah. after us. Oh, no. Yeah, copyright time. Are we recording We're now? We're recording, Okay, yeah. hi. I'm Chad. And I'm Emily. And welcome to The Long, Long Road, Road Home. Home. First off, we have an announcement. We hit 4,000 downloads. <gasps> Yay! Woo! Thank you guys so Such much. Such a strange number to finally announce to the world, but we did it. 1,000 away from 5,000. Woo! Feels good, and honestly, our downloads have doubled in the past three months, so half of that happened in the last three months, which means there are more of you listening. So if you if you don't know who we are, hello again. Uh, it's nice. Thank you for downloading this. Thank you to everyone who's been listening. We really appreciate it. Our co- community is growing, and I couldn't be happier about yeah, it. Yeah, it's been so fun. It feels like we've been kind of plugging and chugging and, and doing this um, every week for the last like six months, and... We're starting to, to get, gain some friendships, starting to meet some new people, starting yeah. to build this community, and it feels really, really cool. It does. It feels awesome. Also, our new logo's out, guys. What Woo-hoo! do you think? Do you love it? I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears it's into that. Beautiful. I disassociated over a, a computer screen for hours trying <laughs> to make that work. Um, I'm very happy with how it turned out. It's a glow up for sure. Yeah, like, it absolutely. Looks, I think it looks really great. So, Leaps and bounds. Y'all will just, have to tell us what you think. Please do. We're getting better every single day. Love it. All right, guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know why the way you just said single day. I'm aggressively positive. Aggressively. <laughs> All right, guys. What is it? What is the? What did I just see that was like positive affirmations don't work if you question them? Yeah, you can't question them. You can only dig in your just heels. To keep affirming. Everything is fine. Okay. What are we talking about today, Chad? So, before we start, I have a question for all you listeners. Shoot. What if, growing up, I will shoot. Okay. (laughs) What if, growing up, you had a neighbor whose front door was neon orange? You'd ride your bike by their house, playing in the street out front. Hell, one time, you guys, you lost a frisbee on the roof of that house. The thing you remember the most about that place, however, is that bright orange door. Years go by. You grow up, move away, find love, you fall out of love. Try some drugs. Mm -hmm. Gamble on black one too many times. You lose it all, and you're forced to move back home. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not looking good. No. You're at maybe the lowest point in your life. And as you're digging in your attic, you find an old photo album. You start to flip through, and out falls a photo of your friends outside that house. But something is different, and it's not you and your sadness. Aww. It's the door. <laughs> it's not the color. <laughs> I'm sorry. Give me a second. <laughs> It's not, you mean it's not the weight of the world on my shoulders? No, it's not the dread that you have forever tarnished your name. Nope, it's not that either. (laughs) It's just the door. It's not the color you remember. You start to look for other photos and you find a few, but each one is the same. The door is there, but it's a dull blue. You simply can't remember it ever being blue. So you call all your friends. You tell them about the photos and they're just as confused as you are. That door was always orange. While everyone's wrapping their minds around this, you decide to reach out to the man who lived there, now homebound because he smoked too many cigarettes and needs his oxygen now. This is very, this is a very detailed story. There's a lot of pathos. Very, yeah, a lot of pathos. You had to make it that way. Well done. You knock on the door. The man slowly gets up and invites you inside as you start to ask him about the house. 
Then you finally arrive at the question you're there for. You ask the old man, when did you paint your door that color? The old man responds, I've never painted that door in the 70 years I've lived here. (gasps) You reel in terror that your mind could be so malleable and run outside sprinting away from the old man (laughs) in his smoky old house. You're running so fast that you forget you're running into the street. You forget to look both ways. You forget to look both ways. A car honks its horn, but it's too late. You've become another victim of the Mandela effect. Ah! <laughs> That's right, everyone. Today, we're talking about the, the killer, the Mandela effect, <laughs> but with a twist. We're also going to look into how it's associated with the possibility that the world we live in isn't the one it used to be, and the idea that the world actually ended in 2012. Bum, bum, bum. It's a great intro. I should write movies. Yeah, you really <laughs> should. It was, that's beautiful. I'm like right there. My heart is racing because yeah. the door is blue. You see that gambling addict in the street. <laughs> oh my god! Awesome. I'm super stoked for this this episode. Yeah, me too. This is gonna be. This is a fun one, guys. This is not. Uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of digging deep on the internet yeah. to find stuff this time. This Missing one was just. People. It was fun to to do a nice thought experiment. Yeah. Something a little lighter. Yeah. Okay. So before we start, let's go ahead and cite our sources. We got our information from Healthline.com, Medium.com, Megaphone.Upworthy.com, Mentalfloss.com, great article, NationalGeographic.com, which is owned by Fox News, and they forced me to put in my email so I could read this article. Ridiculous. What? Yeah. The fuck? Not great. Toxic. Did you do the LRH uh, d- Toxic email? programming. I did. Nice. Yeah. Um, ScientificAmerican.com. <laughs> theosophical.org and vox.com okay emily take it away all right let's start with what exactly the mandela effect is named after nelson mandela the strange occurrence began when the famed south african president died in 2013 for some it wasn't the first time this had happened the first person to come out and say this seemed strange was fiona broom a self-identified paranormal consultant interesting job title yeah, it's uh, really what that means is I work part-time at the grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> probably. That's probably more accurate. Um, she detailed how she remembered former South African President Nelson Mandela dying in the 1980s in prison, although Mandela obviously lived until 2013. Broom could describe remembering news coverage of his death and even a speech from his widow about his death, yet none of it happened. If Broom's thoughts occurred in isolation... That would be one factor. However, Broom found that other people thought the exact same as her. Even though the event never happened, she wasn't the only one who felt like it did. As a result, the Mandela Effect concept was born. Um, Before we jump in any further, that should happen to me. About what? Nelson Mandela specifically. Oh, yeah, I I remember that. 100% believe that he was dead. I thought that he had died only a few years prior, not in the 1980s, but like... A few years prior, and I remembered like a funeral. Yeah, um, super trippy. See, I'm the opposite camp. I did not remember that. I was, I, I just knew that he was out of prison. I'd never heard of anyone saying that he had died. But uh, once you brought it up to other people, they also thought that as well. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, very, definitely, very weird. Definitely heavily debated in our friend group. Well. It was in 2013. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. not anymore. We're still arguing We're about still angry it. We're lost friends it. <laughs> over this. No, no. Um, since it first gained traction, the Mandela effect has created factions of people who are convinced that things are not as they seem. We're going to go over a few instances where the phenomenon runs deep. Some of these I had heard before, but others not so much. 
The first is from a game that everybody loves to hate. The mascot of Monopoly, Rich Uncle Pennybags, has been the de facto mascot for Monopoly, the game that has driven families to sever ties with each other. Now, it's been years since I've played Monopoly, but now that I'm older, I know where that hate came from. It's because everyone, and I mean everyone, hates landlords. Hate them. Hate them. <laughs> if you're a landlord out there, get out. You get out of here. Get out. You close you the podcast and you out. leave. Succubus. <laughs> if there's a hell, they're going to the lowest level and they're going to be playing Monopoly. <laughs> Forever losing all their money as Satan buys up all the property and charges them to stay in hell. Yeah, then we'll see when the shoe's on the other foot how they feel about charging me an extra $100 a month for a pet. <laughs> um. Anyway, you guys remember penny bags. It's all pretty basic, right? Kind of round with a big mustache and a top hat. Some, however, also remember that Pennybags completes his top hat and business attire ensemble with a monocle. What do you remember? I remember the monocle, too. I remember the monocle. Yeah. Another big one is Jiffy Peanut Butter, everybody's favorite childhood spread. Or was it? Bum, bum, bum. Apparently, Jiffy never existed. Somehow stuck between two brand names of Jiff and Skippy. Another big branding one is Fruit of the Loom's underwear logo, which apparently was never a cornucopia with fruit coming out of it. I This one, I was... I'm positive in my brain that I did have those those underwear with the cornucopia on them. I was is it just po- supposed to be fruit? Is it? It's just fruit. It's just a pile of fruit. I very clearly, once again, remember this seeing this on my little kid underwear. You can't tell me that's not what it was. It's what it looks like. I mean, yeah, we just Googled uh, Fruit of the Loom Cornucopia, and what very clearly looks like the old Fruit of the Loom logo to us is just here in the image results. I, and it's just like, a, here's what the old one was, and here's what the new one is. Was the old one ever existing? It's we don't know. It's a whole this versus that. Yeah, Mandela this versus that. Picture. Thank you. That's a much better way to explain what we're looking at. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I don't believe them. This uh, this this episode. This episode's going to make your brain hurt a little it bit. It does. It really does. Because you start to think really hard that, like, did I, is anything I remember real? <laughs> Turns out, nope. No. The Mandela effect doesn't apply to images only. The tense meetings between imprisoned cannibal Hannibal Lecter and FBI agent Clarice Starling fueled 1991's The Silence of the Lambs, based on the Thomas Harris novel. Hello, Clarice has become a default line reading for people looking to emulate Anthony Hopkins' creepy character. But that line was never in the movie. Instead, he says, good morning. When meeting Starling for the first time. Great, great Hopkins. Thank you. Did well. Thank you. I tried. Yeah, I really emulated a cannibal. Yeah, I'm super scary. Silence of the Lambs, great movie. Oh, it's so good. Good, good villain antagonist in Buffalo Bill. One of my favorites. I don't know what to say because I've never seen it and I'm embarrassed that I've never seen it. And the more that I go like, I've never seen it. I know you're going to be like, we should watch it. Oh, we're going to watch it now. Now that I know we're definitely doing that. I've gotten away with it for so long. (laughs) Um, Same thing with Star Wars. The most famous line of 1980s Star Wars sequel, The Empire Strikes Back, was never uttered. Darth Vader never says to Luke Skywalker, Luke, I am your father. He actually says, no, I am your father. Are you spinning yet? Is your collective consciousness in shambles? 
Well, hold it together because there's more. To be fair, my collective consciousness was in shambles long before this episode. Way before we even started recording this podcast. Honestly, it made for a nice buffer for what we're t- learning about today. Yeah, it's like been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, what's new? You're not special. Yeah. But for real though, I mean, it does. It it could very easily give me anxiety just because <laughs> all of my thoughts and realities being wrong is honestly very unsettling. Yeah, it just just falls into the category of we're living in a simulation and nothing is real. And if you think about it, your brain is literally just like working as a computer and making up the reality around you. It's not even a good computer anymore. It's not even a good computer. It's <laughs> we just a don't understand computer. it. Stop, just stop doing it so hot. It will literally kill you. I had that thought the other day though, because I was like thinking about like, okay, this is a, if this was a simulation, right? And like all of my senses are. Like, I'm just trusting that my brain is accurate and reading those senses. Then I, like, started to think about what it would be like. Like, okay, but you also are experiencing senses. And we both have the sensation of standing on this floor, right? It's not like I made this floor up. But then I thought about, like, Sims. And, like, sometimes when there's, like, a little glitch and, like, people are kind of, like, standing in the air. Yeah. And moving around. And, like, what if that's what we're doing? We're just in. We're, we're just, just like glitching the out. Air. We're just like floating through the air, but our brain has picked up this perception of what solid mass is, and us. Oh and yeah, the yeah. Sensation of our weight on our feet on top of this solid mass, but really we're just like we're mostly we're empty like space. Really, atoms. We're humans. Most things are just empty space because of the space between their atoms. It's true. Yeah, my phys my physics professor used to sit a pin on a table, and he would tell us that this pin has fallen through the table an infinite number of times right now. Yeah, that's a good one. Anyway, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Distracted today. Well, sometimes you were wrong about an entire movie. Shaq's weird genie movie from the 90s was definitely Shazam, right? Wrong! It was Kazam! It was, and it was not Sinbad, which one? this is another one that I related to. Because I too, thought man. for sure there was a Sinbad genie movie. A hundred percent. I was like a hundred percent convinced. I looked for it for a long time. We've been looking into the Mandela effect for over a decade. Yeah, we really have. We've seen bits and pieces of it here and there. And this is this is one of the big ones. Uh, I, you know what? Sinbad, was he funny? I don't know. I don't know either. He, I mean, he, was, a com- he was a stand-up comedian. I've I never heard like anything. I feel like as a child, I looked at him like he's supposed to be funny because he just made the right faces and had the yeah. right like, inflection <laughs> shift. You know what I mean? So you're like, oh, he's funny. He he went like this or yeah. whatever. You well, know? Was he funny or was he 90s funny? Was he classic funny or was he a generational funny? I think generational. That's a real question. Only, when I think Sinbad, I think Sinbad the Pirate, which was a cartoon I watched when I was little. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. And so I often mix that up as well. I picture him on a boat with uh, an eye patch. Oh, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Sinbad. Do you guys remember that famous scene from Risky Business? There's not a single VHS copy of that movie where Tom Cruise slides into the living room with sunglasses on because he never wore them. You know what else wasn't in that movie? All the fish he was fucking. (gasps) We don't, we have not talked about that. No one's going to understand that reference. If you follow Tom Cruise, there's been some strange incidences of that man going into a bathroom with a large fish, leaving without the fish, and people finding the fish battered. (laughs) I don't know what's going on, but uh, someone needs to help Tom Cruise. Yeah, we should, um, when somebody figures out what's going on with Tom Cruise and the fish, please let us know. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's so many more of these, including the Berenstain Bears controversy, 
which you still can't convince me that it was not Berenstein Bears. Yeah, this is the first one, the first incidence of the Mandela effect I heard about, and it made my head spin. The name is Berenstain, not Berenstein. And we were convinced it wasn't true until we found one of the books online. Yeah, it's there in writing many times. I don't, don't know where that came from. Another big one is Mona Lisa's smile. Seems like a bunch of people think that she's frowning. I don't know about that one. It feels a lot less like the Mandela effect and more like a bunch of people have never seen the Mona Lisa in person. Yeah, that seems like a, a bit of a stretch to me because, I mean, if you ask me what an, any art piece looks like, most likely I'm going to get it wrong. I don't know what art is. That's very true. Yeah, so. Regardless, the Mandela effect has been making the rounds for a really long time now. Why are so many people convinced of the same thing, even if there's evidence to the contrary? I guess you could say that about a lot of stuff these days, which is why it's called a conspiracy. Some are dangerous, others are fun, but we enjoy this one simply because of the earth-shattering possibility that the reality we are in right now just isn't the same as it used to be. No, very, very high probability that it's not. So back in July 2019, a man named Nick Hinton started a Twitter thread titled A Conspiracy Thread, Did the World End in 2012? It's since gone on to acquire thousands of replies and retweets from fellow social media users who seem to believe in his ideas. We're going to dive into this long-ass tweet piece by piece because, honestly, it's really fun and it's also a very terrifying idea that the world has essentially been torn asunder. Ooh! Yeah, so... Ooh, good vocab word! Thank you, it's from my GRE flipbook. So, let's go ahead... Also, I'm sorry, before we go ahead... Ah, I'm so excited! I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about this! I this is going to be fun. that Twitter thread from, like, three years ago... Okay, let's do it. So Hinton starts off by talking about how he decided to look back into the thought that the world might have ended in 2012, and he starts to realize that there are some other people who are also interested in this, but he can't find anything about it online, so he has nothing to refresh his memory while writing it. He's found a few things here and there that are helping him piece the puzzle together, but he thinks that there used to be much, much more. Hinton believes that the world, the beginning of the end, happened with the discovery of the Higgs boson because science will either save us or kill us all. It's one or the other. But he's, he's and this is not the first time that people were like, this is the science's fault. But the Higgs boson, basically, the, he thinks that because Stephen Hawking's predicted that it could destroy the entire universe, or in his own words, cause the universe to undergo a catastrophic vacuum decay, he thinks that something might have happened surrounding the Higgs boson. So why does he believe this? He thinks that it's because nothing has felt the same since. He says, well, what would happen if we destroyed the universe? Would we know? Maybe CERN accidentally created a black hole that sucked us in without us even noticing and we've just been living in it. Some physicists actually believe this is possible. He also says there's the, the old cliche argument that nothing has felt right since 2012. I agree with this. Maybe it has something to do with growing up and getting older, but ever since then it seems like the world descends more and more into chaos each day. Time even feels faster. I know they always say that time, you, as you get older, time does... Uh, tend to speed up and that is because the lack of new experiences in your life as a child mm. everything is new and it makes things seem like the time seem longer so that part i'm not necessarily in agreement with but the, everything has felt very different that's interesting i always thought like growing up um like your parents say you know uh don't blink right or life yeah uh, the older you get the faster time moves i always thought that it had to do with having kids it's because i thought like oh you're so busy keeping track of that kid that now all of a sudden now a bunch of time has passed um but now i'm older and i don't have any kids and it's very very true 
Yeah, it is. Well, you're also keeping track of bills, just genuinely trying not to starve, yeah. die in some ill-fated manner on the street. Right. There's a lot of stuff going, a lot of moving well, pieces as mode. you get older. Yeah. So, yeah, that's super interesting. Another theory that I had heard when talking about that reactor or talking about the Higgs boson. boson Bo- yeah, that's right, boson. Was that it just um, it split our reality in two. Yes. And we will... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. I get it's so all, this excited. Is, this is stuff that I've been talking about, reading about for years. So I'm just gonna keep <laughs> keep blowing it. Sorry. You're not blowing it. We just there's an order. <laughs> there's an order to things. We're okay, getting to the point. On, it's a funnel. We start broad. We end narrow. Yes. Well, that's very good storytelling. So he goes on to say that there's some sort of calamity happening almost daily. Mass shootings only stay in the headlines for like 12 hours now. Did we all die and go to hell? I don't really believe that, but some people do. Maybe we're maybe we're in a similar situation to the characters in The Good Place. Great show. This cool concept. This is the bad place. This is the bad place. <laughs> he continues, Like I said before, I think we live in a series of simulations. Perhaps the universe was destroyed by CERN and our collective consciousness was moved into a parallel universe next door. It would be almost identical. This is a crazy concept, and it's one that uh, we're going to hear more about in a little bit. And this is where the Mandela effect starts to come in. He thinks that, he says that there are people out there who are reporting small differences in the two realities. This is a phenomenon often referred to as the Mandela effect. Below is one of the most famous Mandela effects, and he posts a picture of the Berenstein Bears with a uh, still from The Simpsons where they're holding uh, one of the Berenstein Bears books, but it's spelled differently. Dude, I swear to God it was Berenstein. I don't know. I honestly don't know anymore. I didn't even fucking like those books. I, had, I thought they were creepy and I hated them. Really? Yeah, didn't like them. I had Berenstain Bears movies. <gasps> I wonder if my mom still has the VHS. Yeah, could be. Mm, I think that we recorded some off of the TV too, so it's not even like the purchased VHS. It's like that we recorded it on our VHS player, commercials and all. <gasps> okay. All right. I'll keep you guys posted. I just remembered this. <laughs> okay. Um, we're looking into it. Some people also remember Febreze with two E's rather than Febreze with only one E. So honestly, I didn't ever realize that there was only one E in Febreze ever. (laughs) And it looks funky now that I look at it. He also says some people remember Skechers instead of Skechers. There's a a T that's in the name that's been removed. Looney Tunes with uh, T-O-O-N-S instead of Looney Tunes like musical tune. J.C. Penny instead of J.C. Penny. The list goes on. If these don't look or feel right to you, you're not alone. And we'll we'll just have to post this picture because there was a lot of words, and you can kind of see the differences that he claims to be in some of these images. Wait a second, Looney Tunes is T-U-N-E-S. I guess so. Yeah. This this really. Why? Gets your, I don't that know. That doesn't even make sense. It's this, not a song. It's a cartoon. Cartoon. Say C-A-R-T-O-O-N-S. Tunes. Yeah. Looney Tunes! <laughs> it's supposed to be Tunes with two O's! If they didn't take the opportunity, it's very disappointing. This is a, a painful experience to go through these and try and remember whether or not... Because I feel like sometimes as well, like when someone throws something like that at you, you're like, well, was it like that? And then you can't remember, and then right. you get worried, and then you wonder, once again, what is real? Now, this, this part is probably one of the more interesting parts of this to me. He says that some people remember the Statue of Liberty being on Ellis Island while it's actually on Liberty Island. And honestly, I kind of thought that too. I Maybe that's stupid. I don't know. He thinks that uh, because of this, though, there's some really strange images that people have started to post. 
He says, if you go to Google Maps Street View, there's a few specific areas of Liberty Island where the Statue of Liberty is just gone. He believes that that might be residue from the previous timeline. So it's basically like pictures of uh, big empty areas on the island, stairs leading to nowhere, stuff like that. He also shows a painting that clearly depicts the statue at Ellis Island with no other islands nearby. He says, was the artist just not paying attention? Did he just like it better this way? LOL. He really doesn't think so. I have pictures of my family go at Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty in like 2004. So I'll have to look at those too and I'll keep you guys updated. You just got a pile of evidence. I got all the evidence. Who would have thought the McFadden family could crack this thing wide open? Yeah, the bus in this case. <laughs> More of the tweets go on to say that people really recall being able to go up into the 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 torch on the Statue of Liberty, but when in fact that has not been allowed since World War One. So he's posting some pictures from a lot of different people. He says there's an account that uploads strange pictures that goes by the username of Auguste Bartholdi. That's the designer of Lady Liberty himself. The account also sports his picture from the 1880s. He's Google approved. So yeah, he's got a lot of weird pictures of where the Statue of Liberty is supposed to be from various people. He's also got other instances of strange things that he thinks is kind of weird. He talks about how there was the Germans that committed the first act of terrorism on U.S. soil as uh, right before the United States entered into World War One. He's got a picture of a newspaper there that shows the, the headline, Big Munitions Explosion is black, at Black Tom. 50 believed dead, 21 hurt in city hospital, damaged 75,000 million dollars i can't tell it's kind of cut off but he says that this explosion is the reason the statue of liberty's torch is closed to the public it's been closed for over a hundred years there's only one problem though people remember going there then he shows these pictures that he found that were taken from the torch but i don't know they kind of look funky it almost looks like someone like cut them i don't know they have so have so many pictures to share with everyone after this episode yeah we'll have to hear your we'll have to hear y'all's opinion on these pictures yeah they're weird um, it's hard for me to to know what exactly is going on maybe it's a shadow it looks kind of like uh, like a google picture where the camera has been cut out of it yeah it, it does it looks like, like a webcam took that picture yeah exactly he also has a weird Twitter account uh, on here, Statue Ellis Foundation, which makes no mention of Liberty Island at all and sports a creepy banner photo of people walking upstairs that lead to nothing. Don't really know what's going on there. There's a lot of weird shit on the internet. That is yeah. a very strange photo. And the last thing he has is uh, a video. He says, it's a collection of Facebook photos where people have tagged their location at the Statue of Liberty Ellis Island. However, the people are posing in front of and staring at nothing. Very unsettling. Weird. Yeah. That one's, that's pretty creepy. He's also got a, uh, makes a point about a, a thread on 4chan post by, posted by someone who claimed to be one of the 23 scientists at CERN responsible for creating the Mandela oh, effect. Responsible uh, for creating the effect. Yeah. And you know, if anyone likes 4chan, it's a scientist. It's legit. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I don't know. He's, some of these points are like very good, but then he's got to go say stupid shit like that. And I'm like, dude, you're just, it, it really invalidates anything you're I saying know, to me. I know, it's such a bummer. It you is. take it too far. Yeah, exactly. He goes on to talk about how reality can be seen as a set of Russian nesting dolls where there are worlds nestled within one another, or like we've they, he talks about in the, the series of tweets, simulations within simulations. He continues saying the idea of simulations within simulations or a multiverse is not something new. It has been part of Eastern philosophy since the 3rd century. A quote by Alan Watts illustrates it perfectly. Quote, imagine a multidimensional spider's web in the early morning covered with dewdrops, and every dewdrop contains the reflection of all the other dewdrops, and in each reflected dewdrop, the reflections of all the other dewdrops in that reflection, and so ad infinitum. 
That is the Buddhist conception of the universe in an image. Uh, he says it also reminds him of the turtles all the way down myth, which if you don't know what that is, it's that the world sitting on the back of a turtle, which sits on the back of a larger turtle, and so on and so forth forever. Honestly, the, the dewdrop thing reminds me of fractals. Um, very similar thing, infinite with infinite things within things, right? Right. Or patterns, I guess you yeah, would say. Yeah, in reflections and, and reflections and patterns and... Exactly. Math. Yep, <laughs> math. Math. Really, math is the language of the universe. That's true. I wish I was better at it. I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> me too. All right. Anyway, Nick's still talking, guys. But anyways, Nick's besides the... Bu- yeah, he's got a lot to say. But anyways, besides the mines, there were some other people who predicted 2012 would be the end. One of these people was Terrence McKenna. Well, he didn't necessarily believe 2012 would be the end, but he predicted there would be some reality rearranging event. Terrence McKenna is a man whose books I would like to read more of. McKenna made his prediction using the time wave zero formula, which supposedly mathematically decodes the king-win sequence of the I Ching into something that grasps the fractal patterns of history. Crazy. What that's a weird. Does that all mean? That's a weird sentence. The I Ching is basically something that was used to predict things in, in China. Gotcha. Apparently, it's been very accurate. McKenna made a graph, though, that basically it culminates in a singularity point of infinite complexity. To better understand this concept, you can imagine a tape wrapped up in a spiral like you find inside a VHS tape. Time goes round and round in smaller and smaller loops until eventually it runs out. Is there another meaning to the end of time? Preston B. Nichols, a supposed whistleblower who wrote books detailing the time travel experiments at the Montauk Air Force Base, claimed that they were never able to time travel past 2012 because they could find no future beyond it. Yeah. Um, by the way, that's that's another thing that we should cover in an episode is the time travel experiments and Montauk Air Force Base because that's the second time I've heard of those this week. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, it's a lot of times to hear about the Montauk Air Force Base. Synchronicity. Yeah. Uh, According to that man, there is a very abrupt wall there with nothing on the other side. Whether he's a crackpot or not, what Nick finds interesting is that he did this interview in 2014. Like, it's just a strange thing to say considering you've already made it past that date, right? He actually says that uh, Stranger Things and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind are both loosely based on these experiments. I think I knew that about... uh, Stranger Things, but Same. not not the Jim Carrey wonderful drama. I don't necessarily understand how that one would be related. I guess there's like, that one is more about memory than yeah. time travel. I don't know. He says there's also a theory floating around that we've reached the end of history as well. Ooh, I like this one. Yeah, I do too. The end of history is a philosophical idea that has been talked about by such notable, notable figures as Hegel, Marx, and most recently, Francis Fukuyama. At the end of history, events still happen, but humanity has reached the end of its socio-cultural evolution. This theory has nothing to do with time travel or simulations, but rather the stagnation of human progress. Could definitely see that the way we've been reverting to fucking cavemen in the past fucking decade. Right, it's like the whole concept is that humanity basically stops progressing, and then we just continue to live in that state. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Great. I don't know why I'm really? grinning right now, but no, that, it, just, be. it just feels like, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. That feels like it's hitting a little close to home. Yeah, hitting that fil- the great filter, you know, we're just bouncing off of it like a rubber yeah, ball. Yeah, seriously. Uh, he does conclude. Can you scroll up just a little bit? Uh, oh, that's not he does conclude that he finds it fitting that people think this is happening. It kind of fits the dreamlike purgatory theme. It's this theory I find most when trying to research the topic of the world having already ended. If you think fourth dimensionality or beyond linear time, we could say that the universe has already ended. The moment it began, the end was set in stone. 
So that's a long series of tweets. It really took off, and a lot of people liked the, what he was saying, right? It's a pretty wild ride, though. The, the tweets have a ton of stuff to unpack, but it's really j- the gist of it is that after 2012, everything did, in fact, change in some way. Yeah, that's right. And these ideas could really go hand in hand with the Mayan idea of 2012. If you thought the Mayan calendar meant the literal dismantling of the planet where the rock would be flying a very unbalanced plane, because he's huge, through shooting spires of granite, you'd be wrong. The Mayans didn't envision the entire destruction of the planet. Instead, they were referencing the end of a cycle associated with one of their calendars known as the Long Count. This next part comes from a Barbara Sattler on Theosophical.com. And let me tell you, if her photo tells me anything, it's that she lives in Sedona and has definitely done her research. (laughs) Yeah, she seems like she was very, very into this. This is all really cool stuff. I always heard about it, but um, I didn't know as much as what we're going to talk about now. It's the most widely known Mayan calendar, and it's the source of the 2012 date. Most of the pyramids and stelae found throughout Mayan country contain dates inscribed according to this calendar. The long count consists of 13 bakhtuns, each bakhtun equaling 144,000 days in a cycle of 5,126 years. In the 20th century, British anthropologist Sir J. Eric S. Thompson. A lot of names. Lots of names. In conjunction with John T. Goodman and Juan H. Martinez Hernandez, correlated the Mayan long count with the Gregorian calendar. Their work, widely accepted by Western researchers, dates the beginning of the long count to August 11th, 3114 BC. There is less agreement among Western researchers about the end date. Many pegged it to December 21st, 2012, but Swedish microbiologist and author Carl Johan Kalman author of The Mind Calendar and the Transformation of Consciousness, calculated that the cycle would end on October 28, 2011. Yeah, he was uh, a little earlier. I like that. Uh, I love when scientists also look into the supernatural. Me That's too. That's one of my favorite things. It's cool to have an open mind like that. Don Alejandro Cirillo Perez Oxley, also known as Wakatel Uti, or Wandering Wolf, is an esteemed 13th generation elder from Guatemala that has spent years orally transmitting Mayan prophecies across the globe. Grandfather Cirillo and other indigenous elders do not necessarily agree with these specific dates, but they do believe that we are currently in the end stages of a time cycle lasting approximately 5,000 years. A key artifact of the Long Count calendar was discovered in Kobe, Mexico in the 1940s. A monolith named Stele I is carbon dated to be approximately 1,300 years old and has been deciphered to reveal dates trillions of years back in time. That's fucking crazy. What? <laughs> yeah, it's really fucking so, it's so cool. I want to, like, just, like, the fact that you can decipher something like that, too, is a, really, that's an endeavor. How do you even begin to, to do that? I don't know. I don't it's know. Uh, I don't know, but I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you. <laughs> we do. Um, It is theorized that the Mayan long count calendar depicts the hierarchical nature of creation cycles, with each cycle being a multiple of 13 times 20. This indicates that the Maya had names for time periods dating back 16.4 million years, as well as 14 earlier unnamed cycles. A long time. Deep time, once again, is terrifying. It's so, it's so nuts. 
Some experts believe that named periods appearing in the center of the stelae coincide with the evolutionary cycles described by Western science, meaning that the ancient Maya may have been aware of these cycles well before modern science. Some contemporary research suggests that the long count was created by the Maya to time the evolution of consciousness. If this is true, the idea is not unique, as the Vedic Yuga system has been linking time cycles with levels of collective consciousness for centuries. The Vedic just keeps showing up. Man, Isn't they that weird? do. It's so interesting. It's just so interesting because I was so unaware of them. Yeah. Uh, and then we did that one episode, and now I feel like it's something that just keeps popping They're up. Everywhere. Synchronicity again. In the West, 2012-based theory is growing and encompasses a wide range of ideas relating to consciousness and science. Philosopher Jean Gebser's complexification theory, Ken Wilber's integral theory of consciousness, microbiologist Carl Kalman's acceleration of time slash creation, John Major Jenkins' procession of equinoxes, physicist Nassim Haramein's unified field interpretations, and Greg Braden's fractal time, to name a few. Yeah, this, I feel like those are articles that I would read and never understand. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. For the Maya, the end date notation on the true long count calendar is 13.0.0.0.0. This dating method makes use of five different measures of time. The day, known as a kin. The 20-day period, known as a winal. A 360-day period, a ton and a 7,200-day period roughly equivalent to 19.7 years, a katun, and a period of 144,000 days roughly equivalent to 394 years, a bakton. The date 13.0.0.0.0 indicates 13 baktons, 0 katuns, 0 tons, and 0 wenals, and 0 kins, since the beginning of the long count in 3,114 B.C. Grandfather Cirillo states that the next-to-last phase of this cycle, called the Veil of Nine Hells, began around 500 years ago with the arrival of conquistador Hernando Cortes in Mexico in 1521 and lasted until 1987, which marked the beginning of the, quote, time of warning. None of this sounds good. No. These are not good names for periods of time. No. Interesting how they lined up. I wonder if they named them before or after Hernando Cortes showed up. Mm. That dude was a bastard. Yeah, he was. Yeah, absolutely terrible human being. Horrible. Yeah. Is he the one that burned the ships? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. That's a fuckboy move if I ever heard one. He was fucking insane and brutal and just absolutely terrible to the South American natives. This was publicized worldwide as the Harmonic Convergence, introducing the Mayan end date of 2012 into Western consciousness. The time of warning will be upon us until the Mayan long count reaches 13.0.0.0.0. The next day, the numbering will be reset to 0.0.0.0.0. And it is believed the shift of the ages will begin. Yeah, I guess this has already happened as well. This was an article written prior to this that we're pulling some of this stuff from. Right. So, yeah, it's happened. We're already past that point. I do wonder what the end date or what the date is now. Oh, yeah. That's I guess we could, like, if we sit down and actually looked at what we, we just talked about, we could, could figure it out. It's been, it's been it's nine cool. years. So, we would just want to do. Yeah, we could figure it out. Maybe. Yeah, not on air. Not on <laughs> not air. On, not on the podcast. I don't want y'all to time how long it takes me to do this. <laughs> no, if one of you wants to do it for us, that'd be really that cool. That would be so cool. Save me some time. We might have a sticker in it for you. 
The indigenous people of the Americas say these shifts have happened before. Their traditions teach the existence of previous prehistoric civilizations on our planet. As described in the Popol Vuh, a Mayan Bible, the gods tried several times to create sentient beings with higher capacities. Previous peoples were made from other materials such as mud and wood, but because they did not possess or develop the capacity to worship the creator, those cycles perished. Contemporary humans made from corn Woo! Oh, yeah. were made from corn. That's, a, that's what I like to hear. Same. Yeah, absolutely. We're a superfood. That explains why I'm so corny. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking kill me. <laughs> um, well, contemporary humans made from corn are the most advanced version of the species to date because they know how to speak, pray, make offerings, and perform ceremonies for the gods. Each of these ages was ruled by a god of an element, such as wind, fire, or water, and was destroyed by its opposite. The world of fire, for example, was destroyed by water. Some hold that we are in the fourth world now, moving to the fifth. Others state that we are entering the sixth. This may seem like mythology to Westerners, but Dennis Tedlock, an anthropologist and translator of the Popolva, thinks it's more accurate to use the term mythistory because beliefs are intimately woven into the reality of the Maya. Um, new podcast name? Mythistory. Mythistory? <laughs> it's not my favorite word. Really? I love heard. that word. It's fun. He really mashed them together, though. There's gotta it's be not a very creative. No, but it's fine. He's trying his best. Yeah, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> Grandfather Cirillo speaks of an extended period of darkness that will come at the end of this sun, or world age. The prophecies foretell that the Earth's second sun will pass in front of our existing sun, causing a period of darkness that will last between one and six days. He is ambiguous about the specific date for this occurrence, but indicates that it may happen sometime around the Gregorian year 2012. Clearly, one of the most important elements of this teaching is the existence of a mysterious second sun that will eclipse our own sun and cause several days of darkness. The concept of a twin star can be found in other indigenous beliefs. The Dogon tribe of West Africa, who believe they came from the star cluster Sirius, knew, without the aid of instrumentation, that Sirius possessed two smaller stars that are invisible to the naked eye. You know, I think we talked about that in one of our Grey's episodes. Um, it's fucking crazy. Those little little things about humanity that seem to very much make it seem like maybe we're not of this earth. Yeah, I mean, how do they get that information? I, I've heard before that because of the lack of light pollution, that that's how ancient humans were able to read the stars so well. Oh, yeah, that um, makes sense. And it does make sense, but I don't know if you'd be able to see a planet's oh. two stars. Yeah, I Or a planet's know. two suns. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty wild. The Vedas refer to a similar idea. In Astrology of the Seers, Vedic scholar David Frawley writes... The elders say that at the end of the long count calendar, a new sun, the sixth sun, is approaching. They do not specify exactly what this means. This new sun may replace our old one or continue on another path. Their legends say that this has happened before and will happen again. Herein may lie the basis for the Mayan fascination with time. Sattler wrote, and that's Barbara Sattler, by the way, who, who wrote the article we pulled this information from, that if the second sun does appear around the year 2012, the Maya will gain a level of mathematical and astronomical credibility they have never before experienced, even at the peak of their civilization 1,500 years ago. 
Well, we all know that didn't really happen, but it does remind me of the total solar eclipse that happened a few years ago. Yeah, doesn't it? It brings darkness, right? Yeah. It felt like a second star passing in front of the sun. Um, I think that, I mean, that could very well be what they were referencing, right? I Yeah. I it was mean, a total eclipse. Sense. That doesn't happen a lot. And if you don't know a lot about, and if you didn't have access to the knowledge that we do now, right, and you witnessed that eclipse... Would you know it was the moon? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Right? Like, it wouldn't, I don't know if you would know that that's what was blocking the sun. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, it was a solar eclipse is different, right? No, it's still the moon. The moon blocks it, right? Yeah, you're right. Okay, wait, um, I was like, wait. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck else. <laughs> I don't know what else yeah. blocked it. Yeah, but the fact that they were able to accurately predict something like that, if that's what they, the type of thing that they were referencing, the fact that they were able to predict that with this calendar is extremely impressive. Absolutely. Yeah, crazy. Well, then I just go into whole, I spiral out into a bunch of other theories about like ancient civilizations and how humans might have been on this earth way longer than we ever thought. And we had access to technologies that we have now. It's just that the humanity got wiped out billions, millions of years ago. And blew ourselves up. We had to start over again. Blew our fingers off. I don't know. Just a thought. Grandfather Cirillo implies that the mechanized world disassociated from nature and the earth will be disturbed and destroyed at some level during the hours of darkness. This, we should note, already appears to be occurring. We may be in the shift right now in this moment, and this process may have been taking place over a long period of time. The shift of the ages may not be a single cataclysmic event, but a series of them. In any event, it is sometimes said that the prophesied days of darkness will be an optimal time for meditation, as collectively the meditators may hold the biospheric space while the shift of the ages unfolds helping to usher in the sixth sun and greater levels of consciousness. For some, this shift could revive ancient wisdom and lead to peace and harmony on our planet. For others, it may not be so. Grandfather Cirillo warns that if humans do not awaken and continue to kill and pollute, a new day will not dawn. He stresses that at this time, it is critical to live close to the earth and realize the connections among all life. He is resolute about the need for unification and cultivation of respect for all humans and for nature. Being privy to these prophecies allows for adequate preparation and adjustment to sustainable, simple, and conscious living. In the light of the Mayan teachings, there is ample reason to be fascinated with time, to watch the skies, and to be attentive to indigenous ways. It may be critical for our survival. So the Mayans saw 2012 as the beginning of a new cycle or a new era of humanity. We see a lot of people that take this idea and equate it to ideas or spiritual movements like the Age of Aquarius, moving into these big spiritual shifts. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, and many think that the Age of Aquarius. <laughs> Age of Aquarius. Wonderful. <laughs> many think the tumultuous times we are living in are indeed the friction of two realities splitting apart. It turns out that D and D episode of Community where Abed puts everyone into the darkest timeline might be real. <gasps> Yeah, it's at least to some. We, I do, if we're in the darkest timeline, I wouldn't be surprised. Science has a few other ideas about all this, at least in terms of the Mandela effect that we talked about earlier, though. So we couldn't end this episode without talking about what science does have to say about it, right? Okay. So many doctors and scientists describe the Mandela effect as something called collective false memories. 
A large group of people collectively always say a particular saying or memory a certain way when, in reality, the truth is different from memory. It's a crazy hive mind type phenomenon, not, un mm. not unlike the telephone game, where a word is passed along from one end of a line of people to the other. I'm, so, I'm having throwbacks to our mass hysteria. Yeah, it's mob mentality, right? Totally. People are very susceptible for some reason in large groups to believe certain things. Conspiracy theorists believe the Mandela effect is an example of alternative universes present in society. However, doctors have a much different explanation of memory and how some memories, although vivid, can be false. Some doctors believe the Mandela effect is a form of confabulation, which could be seen as honest lying. A person creates a false memory without intending to lie or deceive others. Instead, they're attempting to fill in gaps in their own memory. Mm. Which makes sense because that's something that people do. We try and fill in these gaps. It's a survival type mechanism for our lizard brain, right? Yeah. To make these things happen in order for us to decide what to do in the future if we see the same thing. Many examples of the Mandela effect are close to the original or true memory. Some researchers believe that people, even a large group of people, use confabulation to remember what they feel is the most likely sequence of events. So that's the science, right? Right. Yeah, that's what they have. That's what they got to say. I guess. Science is important. I believe in it, but um, it's, it's, I don't know if you should close your mind off to other things like, in this case, at least anyway. Right. Something strange does feel like it's happening, right? Uh, yeah, it could be very easy to explain it away, but I think it would be, it would be more scientific to approach it with curiosity. Yes. Uh, although these are valid points, and it does happen, there are many people who think we are indeed in a simulation or an alternate reality, and not just the conspiracy-minded. High-profile thinkers like Nick Bostrom, an Oxford philosopher who coined the term simulation theory in one of his articles, sees the chances as quite high. This guy was actually on Joe Rogan's podcast back when I listened to him before I realized he's fucking kind of shitty. And driving and the Q movement. Yeah, he's not... Uh, I, he just has... He w refuses to acknowledge the effect he has on uh, middle-aged men. Right, yeah. He does not... He is completely... Um, he doesn't hold himself accountable in any way to the, the ways that he influences people. And... Um, he doesn't hold his speakers to account either. I don't know. He does have some, like, he, he had interesting guests on. I just can't do it anymore. But he had him on, and J Joe Rogan could not understand like, what he was trying it. to, he was trying so hard to explain this to him, and he just fucking couldn't get it. It was really funny because it's literally, the whole episode is that. It's him trying to get him to explain what he's talking about, and he, and he just can't get it across to him. It's really, it's one of my favorite episodes because of how, like stupid it made him look Bostrom's paper is super interesting and it really explains why there's more of a chance we're already in a simulation than not it's a really great read and we're going to put that in the discord as well even Neil deGrasse Tyson has said there's a 50-50 chance that we are in simulation and honestly those aren't bad odds maybe there really has been some sort of reality shift and it wouldn't be the first reality is what we are perceiving and that can change so what if enough of us begin to see reality as something different than what it seems oh yeah. Like a giant tulpa reality. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we really are entering the age of Aquarius. Please. And the last few years have seen the truly spiritual world tear from the world of religion, fear, and hate. Change isn't easy, especially when we're talking about an entirely new reality being formed from the human hive mind consciousness. Science can't give us a definite answer for now, although honestly I'm leaning towards the idea that a great shift did occur. Same. Yeah. I'm just going to keep on working on my meditation practice, trying opening my third eye, and try my damnedest to make sure I'm not in the darkest timeline when the last scene tears away from this new reality. And that's the episode. 
Do you like how I clap for us? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I clap for us. Every time. Well, that that is it, though, guys. It was ah, a great episode. That's a great. That's yeah, so interesting. really fun. So many good thought experiments in this one. I love talking to people about this. Um, yeah. I would love to hear y'all's theories. What do you guys think? Did the world end in 2012? Has that reality shift already happened, or is it about to happen? I, what are you feeling in your lives? I definitely feel like I think it's just been a long, slow process, and I I'm definitely of the thought pattern that there are different universes out there. Just constantly, there are always things changing in places that we can't see. Right? Totally. I I personally like align myself with the multiverse theory. Yeah. Um. And so, like, when you think about it that way. There's realities out there where we already shifted, and there's realities out there where we didn't shift. Yeah, there's a reality Which one where are we? I don't know. All I know is my brakes aren't working, and that <laughs> puts me on the bad timeline. I don't like it. Les Schwab Tire, fix you know my brakes. I, you I, know I, I was there a week ago, and it's still not working. I don't know what's going on. So I got to go back to the brake shop, and that just is not fun. We met in 2012. We did meet in 2012, which we is... We met in 2012, and so I found my partner in the apocalypse that yeah, year. Yeah, that's very sweet. Thanks, I'm, babe. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is all really fun stuff to talk about, though. But no, I definitely think that there's like something has happened in the past years. And I just remember listening to Duncan Trussell. It's a great podcast. Go listen to him, too. Love him. He was at a... He did a lot of uh, retreats with Ram Dass, and at one of the retreats, he Lucky. was... Well, yeah, and they were going through something, and uh, a lot of people were crying, and there was a, an older woman standing by him, and this was during when the past four years, the darkest time, and she reached out to him and was just like, "This, the things that we're feeling right now are these great tur- turbulations, are the 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 realities severing, and the friction that we've been feeling are the are these two different the the past and this new spiritual." reality that's forming are breaking apart and that's mm-hmm. the turbulence that we're feeling and these cling these people clinging to the old ways are just part of that friction you know what's so interesting to me how a lot of these theories align yeah and i think that some of them it's like we all end up in the same place but we're getting there in a different way yeah um but it's yeah i mean if you think about what people are saying about the age of aquarius that's what they're saying there's two different realities there's yeah. it's kind of like there's the light timeline or there's the dark timeline there's the spiritual realm and then there's the earthly realm and they're saying like the shift is happening figure out where you want to be and get there yeah, no riding the fence this time. No riding the fence this time. It's time to choose the reality you want to live in and then live your life that way. So Hell um, yeah, no, I'm pumped. Yeah, we got to find that light, man. <laughs> we got we to stick to it. Yeah. All right, guys, that is the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, I've, got to, I've lost it all now. Um, if you're looking for some inspiration on how you can um, raise your, your vibrations and your consciousness and your energy... Um, maybe it's time for a throwback. Have you listened to our Buddhism episode? I think it's time to meditate. Yeah, it's the, the meditation has helped me so much. So much. Yeah, I highly encourage anyone, uh, whether you're having a rough time in your life or not, to do that, and it's it's going to make you feel better. And check out our Discord. We're going to post a lot of the links to what we've been talking about today in there as well. And that's going to be some more informational material for you as well. If you're looking to learn more about what, you know, what we're feeling maybe on the inside. <laughs> yeah. So, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's Discord is open. <laughs> Discord is totally free. You can join it. It costs you nothing. All you got to do is make an account. We have a link to our Discord on our Twitter and our Instagram. You can find us on there at the underscore LRH underscore pod. Follow us on there, too. We post things 
sometimes. And we're trying to post way more regularly on, on there as well. Yeah. Speaking of social media, you can also find us on Facebook at The LRH Pod. And you can reach us via email at show at gmail.com. Yep, and if you want to contribute to the podcast, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the LRH podcast. We are going to have all sorts of goodies coming up with our new logo, and if you're a patron, you're going to get some of those. So, yeah, super excited, and as always, thank you to our patrons for contributing. We love you. Thank you so much for your support. Lastly, if you're listening on Apple, give us a rating, click some of those stars, and give us a nice little short review. Tell us what you liked about us. Do you like our voices? Do you like the stories? Do you like the occasional sound of my dog snoring in the background? Because maybe I'm not getting them all. I don't know. But just tell us what you like. Those uh, those reviews are so important to us, and they help us in ways that you would never understand. So if you're on there, please do that. Is that all the things? That is all the things. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to tune in to our mini-sode on Monday. And in the meantime, as always... Thanks for joining us on The the Long Road Road Home. Home. Goodbye, everybody. 